Heaven suffereth violence. And what does that mean? A lot of people ask that. They wonder what in the world this particular verse is about. And in fact, I had a brother ask me that this morning. I looked at the bulletin and apparently read the passage. Matthew 11, 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Sometimes I call it a what-in-the-world moment when you're reading the scriptures, and there's something just can't understand at first. It might even seem bizarre. And have you experienced a what-in-the-world moment recently? when reading the scriptures? And if not, have you been reading the scriptures? Because there's a lot in there. If if you look down in the same passage, verse 15, Jesus says, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And Paul wrote, this is Romans 10, 17, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So without the word of God... We can't even hear. But if you come to church where they preach the Bible and you hear the scriptures, or you can watch it on TV, or you're reading your Bible at home, or praying, or the old time saints used to meditate on the scripture. That's in there. It means to chew it over. And the, the scripture does it work where it gives us hearing. And then by hearing, we can gain faith by God's grace. And Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He he was a master preacher, and more than that. And what in the world moments like this, if you want to call them that, they they can be intersections between God and man. And God can show you new things. You can see and hear things you never saw before. God can take in new places. And there aren't opportunities like that Every day. If we miss one, God's gracious. Likely he'll give you another. But why miss the precious chance that we have today? And a preacher can get into the habit, can even be peer pressure, coaxing him in that direction to to preach easy things. Tell us smooth things. And there might even be a time for that. In fact, I think there is. But if you consider coming to church hearing a Bible message, if you consider that like a meal, well, a smooth message is like dessert. And and I like cake. But you can't have cake every day, and only cake. I mean, you could, but can you at the same time expect to be strong? And Jesus wants us to be strong. In fact, that's the point of that what-in-the-world passage, where the violent take it by force. He's saying that he wants us to eat, spiritually feed, eat like warriors, and be strong like warriors, and exercise, and get violent with it, and then when the opportunity arises to do the thing that soldiers are hired to do, which is to fight for it. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, And the violent take it by force. So I think it's appropriate that 
This morning we're observing Memorial Day weekend. And in our nation, the United States, it's a day that we remember American soldiers who went off to war and never came back. They made the ultimate sacrifice. But every soldier makes sacrifice. They endure hardship. All gave some and some gave all. And they knew that when they signed up. So why did they do it? It's because of a love, their love for our country. There's something here that they believed was worth fighting for. And I believe the same is true about our precious faith that Jesus makes possible. Every Christian is called to fight the good fight of faith. And if you want to be like Jesus, you've got to fight for it. Sin and temptation come after everybody, not just the bad people, all of us. And knowing this, Paul, as a mentor, wrote to Timothy, who Tim, he even called Timothy his son. He was so affectionate for him in the faith. 1 Timothy 6.11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, talking about sin, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. And Timothy was a pastor. He was a really good pastor. Even so, he had to fight for it. So, of course, you and I will have to fight too. And as God's starting to open our ears now, is a verse starting to make sense. So Jesus spoke very highly of John the Baptist. We see that in the passage. He says, of those born of women, there's none greater than John the Baptist. What higher compliment can you get right from Jesus' lips? And he had a high calling. He acquitted himself well. He's actually related to Jesus. He realized it's Jesus' cousin. And he baptized Jesus. He didn't want to do it at first. But Jesus insisted. So he did. And, and can you imagine that? This is the preacher, Jesus' cousin, who baptized the Christ. And yet even he was tempted at times. And he doubted sometimes. And we can see that in the scripture. Matthew 11.2 Now when John had heard... In the prison, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? So in other words, he's starting to doubt if Jesus was the Christ or not. So it's a lack of faith. His, his faith is faltering and failing. But we, ha we have to remember he's in prison. We have prisons in America that are not only fun, but... In ancient times, in the Middle East, prisons are worse. And can you imagine yourself? Let's, let's try to put ourselves in his position. Can you imagine yourself, perhaps, in, in an underground cell, damp and cold, carved out of the rock, and you're chained to the wall, and you're dirty, you can't keep yourself clean, and it's hard to sleep. If you do... If you do Manage to drift off to sleep. You're awake with rats crawling on you. And the horrors continue. And I'll stop there. Except to say, he never got out of there. And he likely knew that they were going to kill him. They ended up, they chopped his head off. And the devil can try to use things like that to discourage people. The devil's a liar. But that doesn't mean the devil can't take a, a truth or part of a truth and twist it. And can you almost hear 
the devil whispering to him and saying, you know what? You're never going to get out of here. And then that ended up being true, if the devil said that. But then the devil will go on to mix a truth with lies and say lies like, that means God doesn't really love you. Or or he'll say like, uh, that means there's not really any God, you're suffering, you're going to die for nothing. If there is a loving God, or if there's a God, he's evil, or, or things like that. Or this... Your cousin, you really think your cousin's the Messiah or your fool? And John was human. He was tempted during temptation in the hole that he was in. He had doubts. But we can see that he was a man of God and that he did the right thing. He couldn't help being tempted. He could choose how to respond to temptation. And he responded by sending a message To Jesus. And there's a lesson for us here. When the devil fights, you fight back. And you can't fight in your own power. We can see in the passage that John's strength is already failing. Even his faith is is starting to fail. But he did the right thing. He sent servants to Jesus asking essentially, are you the Christ? And there are many Christians, if they want to be honest, today, who have... Complaints against God. They'd like to ask God, for example, if you're there and if you're loving and good, if you love me, why do you allow this particular thing to happen to me? Or why do you allow that to happen to one of my relatives? Or why do you let my spouse die? Or whatever it is. There's things that they don't understand. And they're questioning God's goodness. And people, I think, realize that doubts and things like this are are rooted in our sinful nature. So they're afraid to bring it to God or they, they think they have to hide it. But here's the thing. If I don't honestly bring things like that to the Lord, how is he going to heal it? And it's been said, you're only as sick as your secrets. And you notice John didn't keep these feelings of temptation to himself. He didn't let it fester in secret. He told somebody else. He told a couple of his disciples, and he asked those men to ask Jesus. And James says, this is James 5:16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So there's power in prayer, but it's not meant to be merely a ritual. It's battle. It's warfare in the spiritual realm. It's where you press in. It's where you get violent. So let's keep reading. I read James 5:16. here's 17. Elijah was a man subject to light passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth their fruit. So Elijah set aside time for prayer. The passage that James is referring to is 1 Kings chapter 18. I won't read it, but if you look at that passage, he climbed 
Mount Carmel to pray. It's an exceedingly tall mountain. It's a private place. And he wanted at least some privacy. He wanted some time to focus on God and and put God first, not put God last. There's Christians that don't pray at all. There's other Christians that just pray, for example, on the way to work while thinking about something else. Elijah set aside time for prayer. And Elijah prayed humbly. The passage says that he bowed low to the ground and put his head between his knees. He was showing reverence before God. So he's in an unusual place doing an unusual thing, putting his head between his knees. I think it's meant to stand out to us. He's being humble. I mean, yes, we can pray kneeling, we can pray standing. You can pray driving or walking, that's fine. What matters is our attitude. And Elijah was humble. And Elijah was persistent in prayer. Elijah prayed for rain. The rain didn't start immediately. But that didn't stop him. He kept pressing in. He sent his servant to go and look, see if there was any rain, and any clouds, any side of rain, signs of rain. The servant came back. Don't say anything. So he sent him out again. The guy came back this time. I still don't see anything. So he sent him out again. He sent him out again. He sent him out seven times. The seventh time the servant comes back. And the servant says, well, see a little cloud. It's like the size of a man's hand. (laughs) How many of us would give up right then? But Elijah didn't give up. He said to his servant, get in your chariot right now. Hurry. Make haste. Because if you don't go right now, it's going to be raining so hard. You'll, you'll never make the place you're going to go. And it happened exactly the way Elijah said it would happen. And how, how could it be so sure? Well, it brings it back to the beginning. Because before Elijah even climbed the mountain, he said that he could hear the, the sound of approaching rain. Nobody else could hear it. That's when people might think you're a crazy man. But remember, Jesus said, He that, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. So how did... Elijah know that it was going to rain. Well, God told him it was going to rain. Even before he went up there and prayed so fervently. But just because God gave him that hearing or that vision, and God told him it was going to rain, he, he couldn't just sit in that vision and do nothing. He had to work really hard for it. He had to press in. He had to fight for it. He had to get violent in the spiritual realm. So we need to pray and pray some more. And keep praying. There's no need for me to go down line by line all the prayer needs we have in our communities and in our families. There's a lot of things. And change happens when we pray and don't give up. And Jesus told a parable like that. I'd like to read it. And I even think it's meant to be attention drawing and even a little bit humorous. Maybe I'm weird. You can judge for yourself. And I like how it comes out in the New Living Translation. So so I'll read this. Luke 18, verse 1. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Seems to be on topic, right? Okay, let's continue. There was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. 
The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with a constant request. Then Jesus said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, you'll grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? And what throws a lot of people off here is that the judge is evil. And and the judge... Does it represent God? Is, is God unjust? And then the woman with her constant re- request is driving him crazy. So we're supposed to drive God crazy with our requests. But here's the thing. It's a parable. Parables aren't literal. So Jesus, he's telling us to continue in prayer. Don't get discouraged. And the reason I believe anyway that, that Jesus is being humorous about it is because he's showing us, you know, we have a lack of faith sometimes. Our faith falls or fails and, and it's rooted in our sinfulness when we doubt or whatever we do. But God's not mad at us. He wasn't mad at John the Baptist. He said, of those born of women, it's none greater than John. So even though we're not acting as we should, God's not mad at us. He he, he can even be a little bit humorous about it if he wants to. But but here's why Jesus put an unjust judge in the parable. It's because whether we want to admit it or not, a lot of times we've thought that God was unjust, or at least that was our attitude. Sometimes it can even be unconscious, I think. Like, why isn't, why isn't God doing this? And in times like that, you know, if I realize there's a lack of faith, I can bring that to God. But even if not, I, I can ask Him and keep asking. And, you know, why isn't God doing what I want Him to do in my timing? You know, it could be, I mean, I'll just throw this out there. Maybe it's crazy. Maybe God's plan is better than my plan because God is more wise than me. And it could be that God doesn't want to do that. And he knows why. He has a better plan. It could could be that God is going to do that. Maybe I even heard the rain coming like Elijah did. But it wasn't coming as fast. (laughs) Maybe I'm going to have to send my servant out seven times. (laughs) And then... The seventh time is just going to be a little cloud the size of a man's hand before the rain finally comes. It might be a process. And maybe God's addressing my bad attitude or he wants to heal that lack of faith. Or maybe it's a witness to someone else. You know, it can even feel good to face a challenge. There's some people, they look at a situation and they say, oh, that's a problem. I don't like that. There's other people that look at the same thing and say, you know what, this is going to be a lot of work and we're going to have a lot of fun. This is going to be 
remembered as the good old days. Even though there's a lot of effort and maybe even suffering involved in it, don't people climb mountains like Mount Everest for fun and the recognition and the glory? I mean, not everybody comes back from Mount Everest. People die up there or they're missing limbs because they got frostbite. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars for an expedition or more. So it's expensive. It's dangerous. It's a lot of effort. And people do it because they saw the mountain and they just had to conquer it. And it can feel good in the same way to be using our spiritual muscles. And here's the thing, if God brought you to it, he'll see you through it. If you make it through the battle by the power of God, when you get to the other side, you'll be more powerful, stronger, more confident. And let's listen now, because God's talking to us, he's talking to you and me. Through his word, 1 Timothy 6.11. But thou, O man of God and woman of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. So can we do that? Can that, can that be our prayer to leave this place? And fight the good fight of faith. Knowing that the battle's not ours, but God's. Amen. If you believe it, we have a chance to sing it together. It's uh, hymn number 732, The Battle Belongs to the Lord.